Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pop culture, subculture, music, horror, sex, politics, art, and overall bad ass. This is Society 13, redefining podcasting. Music. Music. Horror. Horror. Subculture. And overall badass. Welcome 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 to Kettle Kettle Whistle 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 Radio. Radio. With your host, host, Dave Dave and Sean. Sean. And movies to put in the movie. Well, that's why, I, I don't know, I wanted to play something for you, maybe it would entice you. Sure. But, um, you know, It's going to be, when, when the, when we have picture lock and all the footage is done and we're putting together the sound and everything, it's mm-hmm. going to be one of those things where it's like, okay, I need music. There you go. Well. I need a band, I need a whatever. I've come a long way. So there's quite, we are recording right now. Yeah. Um, I've got a lot of bands in different tastes and genres and styles, so if you're looking for someone... I don't know how to pitch it to them because I don't talk the money if there's money involved. So I just say, hey, hit up Carrie Hill if, you, if you're mean, interested. It's one of those things we did with Screen Park where it was, um, hey, we're looking for bands. And it was, I went through a local producer and okay. he had several bands. And it was like, I'm interested in using this song from this band. And he's like, let me get a check. And they said, no, it's cool. And then I put it in. And obviously, Razorblade Dolls were fantastic about putting their stuff in, in Screen Park and they uh, he hits me up all the time he's like hey man if you want more music does he? I'm like I, I gotta I that's gotta, Dave right? put his name Scar. is Scar I'm like, yeah, David Scar Carpenter right? I gotta yeah, I gotta yeah. make a movie first then I'll <laughs> I'll hit you up um, yeah. <laughs> although it would be awesome to do I, I, I was we talked about this when I saw you a month or so ago it was uh, I miss doing music videos yeah they're a lot of fun yeah well, I might have hooked you up here. Well, no intro needed here. Old friend back again, Carrie Hill, director, writer extraordinaire. And uh, we go back to the Screen Park days, but there's bigger stuff about to happen. And, um, man, we've been talking music, as you can hear. Uh, music comes up a lot. And, uh, hey, bands, if you're ever interested, this guy, he's interested in making music videos again. So I hooked him up with my friend, Jess. I don't know what's going on with that. I know she's busy with Pop Oddity right now. Yeah, and I'm, I got this movie going on. It's one right. of those things. We'll connect. You will, yeah. It'll Jess, happen. Jess Weary. Um, you'll love working with her. She's great. Um, and her dad actually is the artist on the new comic book I have coming out, Dr. Peeler, Demon Psychiatrist. Small world. Yes. Well, we met at Living Dead Weekend, which we will be there this weekend, uh, minus you, unfortunately, because, well, you might be there. I might swing by. You might swing by. But we already know you're busy on October 26th because it is the first day of... Filming. Well, yes, technically. So, if you want to dive right in. So, with Night Sky, it's, it, the casting is almost done. Like I said, I got props rolling in daily. There's a couple of things I want to get out of, just get shot and done in the fall. 
Um, and I, I want to get them out of the way. So one of the things I found with this project is it's big. Yeah. It's a big project, much bigger than the last film. And it's, it's, there were times where I, I look at the whole thing and I'm like, man, this is daunting. I don't know. I got so many different things I got to come up with how to do this and this and this. So what I've decided is, is that I'm just going to attack it scene by scene. And it's, what can I do now? What do I have? Okay. What can we shoot? So in the fall, I can actually knock a couple of the, the smaller scenes out. Okay. Get that fall look. Western Pennsylvania is amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, in October. So, and at the same time, like I said, we can, we can knock a few scenes out. Winter's going to be... Winter's coming. Winter's coming. And it's a big deal here in Western Pennsylvania because yeah. everything just shuts down. <laughs> Poor continuity if you're filming <laughs> yeah. winter and summer. Um, model work. You're right. Yeah. I, boy, the things we don't think about and take for granted. You got to do your seasonal shots like what, in a month? I, yeah, so basically by the time November rolls around, the weather's changing, the yeah. leaves are gone, and then it's stuff doesn't match anymore. So it's it's got to get squeezed in. The nice thing is, and we pulled this off with Screen Park, is, is that April, late April, can be cheated mm. as the fall. Um, oh, I mean, yeah. Most of Screen Park was shot in late April, early May, and it was, it was done to look like fall. And you can kind of get away with it because the leaves are coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like they're coming off, and there's still leaves on the ground from the fall and everything like that. So it's it, it can match. It's not great, but it's possible. But yeah, the things but we do take that for granted. You know, oh, I want to make a movie. Do you? Hmm. Uh, yeah. Good luck with that. Yeah. Good luck. Um, continuity happens to be your enemy, <laughs> and yeah. especially and uh, Johnny Dagger is another director like yourself working with kids. They get older, so you kind of have to shoot them kind of quick. <laughs> and that's you know that's one of the concerns is this project has several kids. And we're actually using kids, yeah. and it's one of those things where those guys have to be blocked off. It has to be shot within yeah. a few months because it's they can change rapidly, um, right. and it, all of a sudden they look different. And be, you know, when you when you add it together, you know, one scene they're young, then they're older, then they're young again, and then they're oh boys. You know, it's we've it, seen it in film; it's happened um, it in some of the biggest films. And if you really want one, Star Wars. Um, you could gradually watch Luke's hair get longer through the film. <laughs> <laughs> I've never noticed that. Yeah, it's really funny. I'm just saying. But um, yeah, things. Be, do, do you have to approach the families of these kids and say, "Hey, can you make sure the haircut stays the same?" And, uh, well, that's and it's not just kids with that too. It's, I know it's all of them. Um, all the actors have to manage facial hair, their hair, the color of their hair, the length of their hair. Um, I, you know, Kyle Rorden from Screen Park must have dyed his head four times bright I, red. He hits me up quite a bit. Oh, I, is that right? Yeah, I do hear from him. Uh, yeah, he had that bright red punk hair for the movie, and there were, you know, we'd right. shoot for a weekend, and then he had to go back to work on Monday, so he'd have to dye his hair black. Interesting. And then two weeks later, he'd dye it bright red again to, for continuity purposes, and I think he wrecked his hair for <laughs> his a, hair. quite a while, just constantly dying it back and forth um <laughs> that's funny yeah I, I he hits me up very speaking of the past too um uh recently oh but anyway <laughs> all right so um somebody that resurfaced from the screen park days two actually um one is going to new york to pursue comedy the other is going to la to film in major hollywood films can you guess who I talk? Well, I, I know that Wendy Wigan is in L.A. And yeah. last I saw, she got a role. Mm -hmm. I don't know how big, but she's I, happy. Good. Yeah, I'm, I'm proud of her. Right. I was going to have her call in. Oh, that'd be that'd be great. I have no. I haven't talked to her in a while. I know, right? Well, we'll we'll get another chance at that. She's busy, so that's no, good. No, I she yeah she made the leap. Um, actually, a couple of years ago, Dean Jacobs 
had gone out and I think he's working. Um, I don't know what he's working on, but okay. I know that he is out there. So there's at least two of them that have uh, made the leap. Yeah. Well, Arvin Clay pursuing oh, at, right, right. as we speak, pursuing comedy. He was going to do a set here, but then th- timing just didn't work out. Uh, but he's in New York City and he's going to do. I I didn't get to see him yet. I know he's funny. He's a funny dude. He's a nice guy. Uh, but yeah, Arvin Clay, folks, look him up in New York if you're listening in New York. See if you can go see him live. <laughs> That's the fun thing about independent films. You work with people and they're just kids. Yeah. Or just, then, hey, you know, I know this guy and, and then they're in the movie and the next thing you know, it's Screen Park will be that thing that people hunt down when Wendy's famous in 10 years. Right. Uh, it's like Jennifer Anderson and Leprechaun. Yep. 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 And she promised to come back and do a show. We literally talked last oh, that's week. awesome. Yeah. And she will. She's sweet. Uh, let's see. Now, the big thing, what got my attention to, of course, was going to the Night Skies, I guess it was your Facebook page, using practical effects. So far, yeah. And well, we're talking, models. we're talking, um, uh, what do you want to call it? Mothership? Model? Or do you even want to say that? No, it's, um, I've just been referring to it as the UFO. I mean, okay. it's, it's a giant ship. Um, it's a triangular, it's huge, it's, it's two feet by two feet. How did you go about? Um, <laughs> what did you did you contract somebody to do that? Or mm-hmm. Is that okay? Yeah, there's a company out of Atlanta, Georgia called Jarman Props. Okay, uh, they they actually specialize in uh, cosplay stuff, oh. armor and weapons and things like that. But uh, that's when I, endless. Well, I actually contacted them for something else. Um, there's another prop that's a piece of clothing. That's it's a, an article of clothing, and I asked for, and, and I just on a whim was like, hey, look, I'm looking for someone to manufacture a spaceship. And they're like, oh, yeah, we do that too. The thing's been, they 3D printed it. Ah. So it was 3D printed in pieces and then it was assembled. Um, yeah, you told me that. That's right. It's, it's wired with fiber optics for all the lighting on it and everything. I was surprised how light it is, but it's big. I mean, it's unwieldy. And you were telling me off air it showed up at your house and... Oh, yeah, and it's gigantic crate. And my wife's like, so where's that going? <laughs> Where's the, where are we going to store that? The roof. Um, I well, that's you know, these are the. There's people like, yeah, you know, I I want to make a movie, and it's like, okay, you know, what what do you think's involved? Oh, I'll get some friends, and we'll shoot stuff. What the, what you never hear is like, your house is full of props and wardrobe uh, and yeah. models, and you've got stuff everywhere, and it's oh, just yeah. building up. Um, you're constantly sending and receiving emails mm-hmm. all hours of the day. I mean, that's it's actually this is a good segue. So. One of the things that I'm doing with this project is I'm actually doing a story of book. So I went through, I don't know if you're familiar with the um, the J.W. Rinsler series from Star Wars. He wrote these gigantic books. I read, like, read the Thrawn, Thawn, what was it? Zon, Zon? Well, these are the behind the scenes. So oh, no, no, I'm sorry, okay. Massive hardbacks where it's you know the story of Star Wars or the story of Empire Strikes Back. And they're gigantic hardback books that you open up, and there's just endless photos from behind the scenes and and casting and everything. And it's literally a story from, you know, George Lucas graduating film school and has an idea called Star Wars to it's released. And this is, you know, but it's it's a huge, you know, hundreds of pages that takes you through the whole thing. I was inspired to do that for Night Sky. Hmm. Not necessarily to copy, but because, you know, people take independent film for granted they're like oh you made a film that's so cute you you know you you got a, an iphone and went out and shot your friend it's like no 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 it's no so the 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 book will contain photographs and and 
um, concept art and, and my sketches and things like all the work that goes into an independent film, mm. even if it only costs a few tens of thousands of dollars, but like there's so much stuff that nobody knows about or, or it's so taken much for granted. Stuff. We, we filmed a uh, 15 minute film here in this house and that was a production. I mean, I, 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 we, God, we were like, it was only a 15 minute film uh, for a, somebody else's film, like a segue on their DVD type of thing. It was back in the Heather days and we filmed it in there and, you know, between the lighting, we had Brian Coddington here. He did it and the, the footage found, it, it's great. It never really came to fruition, but I still have it. And uh, just the amount of work that went into that one night for 15 minutes of us just sitting on a couch throwing puns at the TV. And the lighting and everything. Yeah, your house is a wreck. Um, you know, my wife's involved with the lighting. And, Furniture's being yeah, moved. Yeah, the dog is like held up somewhere in the basement. You know, there's a lot that goes in. I can't now. You, you with these, this that ship. That's amazing. Are there other models involved, or is that ship the um, only? So there, there is a military element to the film, and this is funny because this is what all everyone's asking me about. Everyone who's read the script, yeah, how do you pull that they're off? They're like, oh well, you know, it's oh, that's really good, and and. We'll talk about the script in a minute because it's funny that different people get different interpretations or, or okay. um, things out of it depending on their age. But there's a military element to it, mm -hmm. and um, people are all like, "Oh, this, you know, this is gonna be a lot of fun." And uh, so, how are you going to do that stuff? And so, it, it's it's been a, a process. So, um, what do you do? Like contact ROTC people, or do you contact local? Well, using actual military is very difficult. It has to go, you have to go through the Department of Defense, um, mm. and that's not going to happen with this. So, do you get creative? So, it'll be a combination of stock footage, um, models. Nice. And um, you'd be surprised how many surplus military vehicles are out there. I would be. I didn't know that. Um, I didn't think that they could deregulate. <laughs> oh, yeah. Military surplus. I, so to give the illusion of like a military convoy in the film, any military vehicles, and you're not going to be able to cheat that with CGI. People are going to be able to spot that. So yeah, don't, don't use the uh, Godzilla <laughs> Godzilla footage with all the military and the, you know, the news. Do, yeah, do, do, the do, models do, do. being stepped on and everything. <laughs> yeah, we can't have that. Um well, so there's there are ways there are people that privately own military vehicles. Now, there's no weaponry on them or anything like that, but they're Humvees. There's trucks. There's military wreckers. There's tons mm. of vehicles that can be rented. They're I mean they're, they're for sale. There's entire like networks of buying them and everything. Mm. But I'm not looking to purchase. But right, just to say, hey, look, can I rent this for an evening or a weekend or something like that? You get five or six in a row driving. Hey, that's all right. Get creative with your shooting, your angles, and your editing, and then all of a sudden you've got yourself a military unit combined with you know fatigues and and the correct military attire and everything like that. I I'm fully confident that it's totally pull offable. Yeah. Um, you just have to get creative with it. So. Well, yeah, that that. Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, um, all right, Night Sky, we should give them a little synopsis here. Aliens, okay, but this is not a horror movie. I don't look at it as a horror film. It's it's sci-fi. It's it's hard sci-fi. It's you said Close Encounters meets The Goonies. At yeah, one point. that's a good way. I mean, it, again, depending on on the age of the people reading the script, some people read it and they're like, that reminds me of The Goonies. If they're younger, it's Stranger Things. Right. I wince, yeah. but, you right. know, it's not really. But, I mean, that's the thing that they think of. Um, it's really, it, it takes me back to, I don't know if you're familiar with, like, Explorers. Yeah. The Joe Dante movie. Oh, that's that was huge. Love that movie. When that came out. Yeah. So, yeah. something like that, Flight of the Navigator. You know, oh, that, yeah, yeah. That kind of, that's the feel of it. I saw that really. in the movies as a double feature with the never-ending story, I oh, believe. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah. that movie dates me. Um, so, what period are we talking about here? Today. Oh, so it's okay. It's contemporary. That saves you a lot of problems. Yeah. Well, and it, again, it, if I were to make it a period piece, then it would just people would be like, "Oh, you you made Stranger Things right?" And again, that's Doesn't that not. Suck? It is what it is. Well, what's what you have with Stranger Things? You literally have. It's an amalgam of past stuff. Right? Absolutely, it's, it's walking nostalgia. So they, yes, it takes place in the past, and it's made up of Spielberg and Stephen King stuff, totally, and, and Lovecraft and everything. So people watch it, and they're like, "Oh, it reminds me of this," and I get that reference and everything. So you really can't get away from mm-hmm. it if you make something that's referencing or inspired by the same stuff that it is. Right, and if you if you define nostalgia, that's they're making it so that you say, "Hey, I remember that." It's it's very big. I mean, look at it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it oh, chapter I didn't one see, and two. I didn't see two yet, but it's my favorite. One of my favorite books. I haven't seen two. It, uh, I heard it's great. I haven't seen part two yet, but I mean, even with part one, it's like okay, they moved it from the fifties to the eighties. But even the book, right? So Stephen King wrote the book, uh, and it took place in the fifties. The kids were in the fifties, right? That was his childhood. So even when the book came out, before nostalgia was very big, the book was nostalgic. Yes. So mm-hmm. they shifted it from the fifties to the eighties, and again, they maintained that nostalgia and everything. So. I think it's. I don't. I don't think there's anything bigger right mm. now than nostalgia. True, because right now the well, current things kind of suck. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I mean, there's maybe... a, there's a resurgence of good horror movies. I will tell you that I've seen some good ones. I've seen some good ones. We had Damien Rugna Rugna on. I listened to that podcast. Um, he was hilarious, nice guy. He made a terrifying movie, and um, now it looks like he's working with Guillermo del Toro. On yeah, that's what he. That's the, what he mentioned. Already remaking. Terrify, the Argentinian film. They're remaking it for an American audience. Okay, but I mean... Did you ask him why? It was hard to convey everything. The why, I'm sure... He he, he talked about being a failure a lot. I think now he's just kind of like... And he's not a failure. He made it, as far as I'm concerned. He made one of the best horror movies this year. If you've made a film, I don't think you can be You're not a, a failure. failure. But he, he really... He got emotional with that. You heard him. And uh, not at all. I mean, and now you're working with the man that's going to remake your movie in Hollywood. You're not a failure. <laughs> no. But I don't think it's needed, but I'm really excited to see it. Uh, Terrified is a kick-ass idea. Is it in... It's on Prime. Is it in Portuguese? Uh, yes, yes. But that's okay, because... You don't want to lose this one in the dubbing. I mean, because it's they, what's so cool. I don't about watch it? anything dubbed. You don't. Okay. No. Uh, well, I was comparing him to Lucio Fulci only because every character is very important, and to me that is important as a writer. That you don't know who the hero is, you don't know who the villain is, you don't know who's going to survive, and his movie was like that, and Fulci's like that. Like you just don't know what's going to happen here because all these characters are very important. Uh, like City of the Dead, which <laughs> Gates of Hell, of course. It's it's funny. I'm gonna try to shift this microphone here. Yeah, man. I'm gonna sit back. It's funny because <laughs> if you if you mention Fulci to me, I'd be like, I don't, I don't, I don't remember a character standing out. Like if you if you think of zombie, it's like they're all important. But yeah, is that- <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You're right, zombie. Oh God, um, the shark was important in zombie. That was so. Uh, yeah, we didn't need that. But anyway, <laughs> we didn't need we didn't need the shark. The shark for a zombie. I mean, they, what do they do? Sedate a tiger shark? That was a tiger shark. Yeah. They sedated it so this guy could walk on the bottom of the ocean and fight with a, a shark. So I mean, you know what they did? Fun confession time. Um, do you, I was in. Do I have to fix that for you? No, I actually. Okay. If you can hear me, this is yeah. very comfortable. He's pulling a good. he's pulling a David Lee Roth with his microphone. Um, actually, that's more of a white snake move. I was. Coverdale. I, I'm like a lazy. Axel Rose. Or that. Uh, 
so I was in a garage band in high school. We were, okay. We were awful. I mean, it was. Was that dirt? It was no, that was my brother. That was band. yeah, no, I yeah. thought so. We were um, we were we were awful, but it was a lot of fun. But I wrote the only song I wrote for the band uh, was based on that scene, and it was called "Eat the Shark," and it was based on that scene from Zombie. No way. Yep. Somewhere I have the lyrics, but the chorus was "Eat the Shark." Eat the shark. I believe the zombie won that fight too, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, they had to. Yeah, the zombie bit the shark oh and killed God. it. So. <laughs> Was that his shot at Jaws? Is that what he was doing? Because it was out at that time. <laughs> um, just, I don't so know. Zombie was supposed to be Dawn to... of the Dead yeah. sequel. So that was seventy eight. So maybe Jaws. it was maybe it was like oh yeah sharks. I could see it. You know that yeah. Dino De Laurentiis. It's like sharks are big because of Jaws. Yeah. We'll put a shark in this movie. Let's diss a shark for the crowd. Yeah, this, yeah. sharks are big. We'll put sharks in it. This is big. We'll put this in it. Disco's big. We'll put disco in it. Not a scene I'm proud of. <laughs> but anyway, I like the movie. So anyway, Night Sky. Um, I was asking about practical effects. What else can we look forward to as far as models or you don't know? You said the the vehicles possibly. Well, the vehicles won't be models. Um, there are, you know, there's fighter jets. But oh. I, I've already found the stock footage that, out of here. that will cut. Um, and I know it'll work. I There are several famous Hollywood films that use pure stock footage for fighter jets, and you never know. Don't say Top Gun. <laughs> no, well, no, they should have. Um, I'm not looking forward to that scene, that remake it, at all. It sure looks like the first one. I can care less. Uh, but this, I mean, this is my first go around with models, so it's it's going to take some some time and some you know trial and error. But the, the model looks fantastic. They did a great job on the detail, and that was half the work is selling this thing. So now it's a matter of shooting it mm-hmm. um, and compositing it so it matches right. Okay. Let's talk about leading folks. Who's going to be in this? Who's playing? Who are our heroes or heroines? The the all the act almost all the actors are cast. Uh, I'm waiting to hear back from one of the leads to see. Um, but they're all going to be announced probably okay. next month. All right. Uh, in, in succession, so each one will be announced separately, and then I'll, the IMDb page will be filled out. Um, so far, most of the cast is local Pittsburgh. Oh, cool. Um, very happy. Very very happy with the way the casting turned out. It was um it it was odd. It was it didn't happen like Screen Park did. I expected the same thing, like the casting with Screen Park, and it didn't go that way. Um meaning this was easier? Harder. Oh. So when Screen Park was cast, it was um hmm. we we put the casting notice up on the Pittsburgh Film Office website and I got bombarded. I mean it was I must have got Hundred or two hundred submissions, but ninety percent of them were not even what was listed that we were looking for. Like, I mean, if you've seen the movie, we're looking for kids that can play like eighteen, and the one manager was in his early twenties, right? So that's what we're looking for. But I was getting people submitting their kids that are seven and eight, which was strange, and <laughs> you know, middle-aged people. And I want to be—I'll do anything in your movie. I'm like, yeah, I don't really have anything. It's not that I don't, right, right. I, I can't really accommodate because there's nothing in the movie with it this time around. Um, submissions didn't come in that way. They, it was more of a trickle, but I get there'd be a spurt, and then, and then it was a matter of asking. So you know, one actor, do you know anyone? And there was a lot of referrals. Um, there is a the one name I'll give you. There's a local actor in town, David Ogrodowski, highly mm. prolific. Um, he think he did something like 200 shorts Whoa. in the last couple of years. Like he just, he loves it. Wow. He got bit by the bug years ago and he just loves doing this. But 
um, because Pittsburgh's not a big town, especially in film and and um, actors and stuff, there's the network. Everybody sort of knows everybody. Yeah, that's for sure. So when he came on board, he's going to be my sheriff in the town. He knows tons of people. So just by referring people, that started sort of a chain reaction. This person hmm. is this person, this person is this person. Now, the lead in the film, I knew from the very beginning, he's actually a um, a boy at Kappa, which is you know the a school for the performing arts here in oh, Pittsburgh. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's 15, going on 16, I believe, or he is 16. Um, Interesting age for a lead role. Amazingly talented. Wow, cool. Yeah, so um, knew of him beforehand and kind of wrote the role safely thinking, okay, I can get this one cast. But, but, you know, his friends in the movie, the lead's friends, it's like, okay, now i got to cast other people that can play, (laughs) you know, that age range. Um, But Point Park College has also been a huge boon, too. They've got this, this drama program. Yes, Tons of of young actors. There's a lot of comedians that come out of there. Young comedians. Is that right? They have a little troupe. Yeah, I've, I've oh, I met a few that. in my profession. I've I've met a few, and yeah, they have their own guild for uh, stand up. Oh wow! Like college level. So yeah, that's something else. Yeah, I mean that was a well too. I mean, with college students, it could go either way. They look like they could play twenties or thirties, or they could play teenagers. The one thing that's going to be tricky with this that uh, I was managed to avoid up to this point was uh, you know child labor laws. It's a thing. Oh, you know, yeah. If you're under 18 and you're on a film set, you're working. Right. So there's limited hours. There's regular breaks. And what is it, like four can... hours at a time, or is that too yeah, much? Four yeah, four hours at a time. And I I want to say, and I'm sure there's people screaming because they know the right answer. I think it's like eight hours or ten hours a day. They have tops. to have a break. Well, they have to just be done. done. Like they can't oh, shoot okay. beyond that. And there's hours. Um, if it's during school hours, they need to have a tutor on set and stuff. I mean, it's wow. Yeah, it's involved. <laughs> Man, I, that, not for adults. I did 14 hours in a jail cell for Mindhunter uh, with 14 other guys, <laughs> and we sat there all day. Wow. We, we became very close. Oh yeah, and um, almost all of us were used. I ended up not being used in the jail scene. I got used on an airplane. So, but yeah, 14 hour day. That's and you know that's that's probably average. Yeah, um, I agree. I've done sixteen hour days. I did an eighteen hour day on a movie called Tenth and Wolf here in town that I worked on. It was an eighteen hour day, and it. Oof. But here's the thing, man. I I got to tell you is that I loved doing it so much. Okay. That at no point did it ever feel like, man, this is going on forever. So you got energized instead of tired. I don't feel it. I on Screen Park there was a stretch where I was doing eighteen to twenty hour days. I think I did a week of them. I believe it. And I didn't feel it. I never felt tired. I never felt exhausted. I never felt crabby. Um, but what happened was is that after several days of that, my brain shut off. <laughs> we were on set one day filming, and it, literally the lights went out in my head, and I was just like, I d- don't know. My, and my, the director of photography was like, okay, what's the next shot? And I was like, I don't know. Oh, my God. You like, burn I, out. Yeah. Like my literally burn out. My brain just went into revolt. It was like, no, we're done. Yeah, you know when you're past your potential for good work and it's time to like, yeah, I know that. But it was it was interesting because I found a limit. Like I literally found a limit in my my body and you hit the wall. and myself. Yeah, I, I hit a wall and it's, you know, 5 20-hour days in a row of being on a film shoot. But again, man, I you know, there were nights we were in the rain and there were nights where I hadn't slept and there were nights where I didn't eat for 8 hours and like at no point was I ever like hungry you, you forget stupid or you know this is why would i do this myself I'm like man this is it like i'm i'm so in i'm ready to go and i think that's how you know you found your calling because it's yeah. or what you really want to do because you know 
Like when you're driven like that, I, I've found like I've almost gone 24 hours without eating because you're so excited about getting this thing done. Yeah. And you're so like you forget to eat. You forget. I mean, if not for caffeine or whatever, I would just, you know, I, I just keep going all the way through and finishing whatever I'm writing or whatever I'm doing because you're so excited you, know, you just you, and you forget. For me, it's the same thrill I get when I go to see a really good concert. I, I forgot. I, whoops. I didn't eat lunch or breakfast today. Oh, well, beer it is. You know, it's just like for you on the set is caffeine. and you, But when you're that driven, you're that excited. And time goes away. Oh, it goes. It yeah, I mean, you away. don't. And it was really cool with Screen Park, too. Um, man, I feel like we always go back to this. Well, it's, uh, yeah, it's where you started. You <laughs> yeah. know, and I think there's still a lot of people that need to go back to that to understand how to get started. But we were, we were shut off from the world. We were in an amusement park mm-hmm. on a lake. Up north. Um, up north. Middle of nowhere, detached from the world. And I still think that's the best way to make a movie. But, I mean, every day was the movie. So we'd sleep all day, get Mm -hmm. up. Sun was going down, time to film. Film from sundown to sunup. Maybe get breakfast and then go to bed and sleep for a couple hours. But it was, again, because you're detached from the world and that's all there is. It's Mm -hmm. just the movie. You get lost. I... I came back after two weeks and was like, what's been going on? People are like, man, you got a beard and you looks like you lost weight. I'm like, oh, did I? Like, I yeah, two days. <laughs> completely detached um, from what's going on. But I loved it. It was fantastic. I get why people shut themselves in when they write a novel. It's oh, just completely yeah. disconnect. Yeah, because any interruption, you lose that synapse for that last page, that next page. And it's just like, mm. then you get irritated and then you don't want to do it. We're, I would like we're cranky people. <laughs> I get it. I My goal would be to, to be able to do movies like that where you you have a studio or something like that where you're completely detached for the for the whole process of it. I feel like Kubrick used to do that where it was, you know, disconnect from the world and vanish for a year to film something and you just completely get engrossed and that's, you're eating, sleeping, breathing it and it's, mm-hmm. you know, that's that the rest of the world doesn't matter and I love being in that. That's so why you do it though. Yeah, I'm hoping to, to get back into it with this. Um, unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know, um, we're all over the place. There's locations mm. everywhere. We're not going to be bottled up in one place. So that's actually what's made this whole thing much harder than Screen Park so far is that the amount of locations and what I need specifically. And it's yeah. been very difficult. It's a huge endeavor. Um, you, like you said, the whole isolation thing, I um, this is kind of actually very relevant right now. We're talking about Stranger Things, but this book that I'm been, I've been finishing, I keep delaying it because of damn stranger things hmm. people are going to say that i ripped it off when i already wrote this thing before i even knew that i'm from there okay i i heard that they were influenced by montauk now oh, we, yeah. we used to vacation montauk i wrote this book while at the beach in the place where it takes place i created my own amity island it is not jaws but it is my version of a jaws type story town involved monsters whatever and Unfortunately, these guys with Stranger Things, like they really, they crossed over into some things I had already written without ever seeing this thing. So you have to go back to that and I have to change things. But this is the first time I'm saying this. When Charlie, A Child's Tale of Terror comes out, guys, I didn't steal anything. I wrote this thing freaking 10 years ago. Well, do you know they were accused of stealing Stranger yeah, Things? Yeah, the Duffer Brothers were accused. For something called the Montauk Project, which <laughs> was based. And there it is. Yeah, I the Montauk Project is part of that lore of. You know, mm-hmm. is it real or isn't it? And it was supposed to be a, a continuation of the Philadelphia experiment. Did you read my short story about that? It's on the end of that book. I have that's yeah. See, that's the is it about the, the the Montauk uh, yeah. project. Yeah, it's about a film crew that go and they find the under. Well, they want to find the underground. They in, in, instead they find like their um, uh, what, what do you want to call it? Uh, deep throat, like in X Files. They find a guy that knows all about it. 
and they do a little investigation. And of course, there's monsters and chaos ensues. But uh, yeah, that's at the end of um, Fiends of the Flesh. It's the last story in there. So I but, still have my copy. Yeah, read that one. You'll see why I'm concerned. Where people would say, uh-huh. "Oh, you stole?" No, I wrote this before. Well, and I, you know, you're you're coming across that now. You you have yeah. a, you have an uphill battle as far as trying to not to, I don't not copy, it's, but be uh, accused of. Well, it's it's funny because I, I started writing it because I, it's an amalgamation of various ideas that I've had over the years, and I've always wanted to do a UFO movie. But how do you do a UFO movie? Do you make it like Hangar 18? I mean, Ooh, that, I like that one. Oh, that movie's not good. Um, it's not good, but no. it was good when I was a kid. Um, or do you do like, I don't know, there's so many of those of movies that they've become horror movies where it's like a bunch of teens in a cabin and there's lights mm. in the sky and you didn't want to go that route. So it's how do you make a movie about UFOs that's interesting and it's has three acts and everything? So I started to build it out and, and piece things together um, and it... There was a lot of spitballing. There was another writer in town named Larry Phyllis that, that was very kind to me to, to listen to me rant at, at Panera Bread probably <laughs> five or six times where it's just like, this isn't working. I don't know what to do. And da da da. And just, but he was, we would just spitball and I slowly pieced it together and I wrote nine drafts of this thing to kind of flesh it out. But that's exhausting. Um, you know, I was like, I'm going to write a movie about UFOs and then I'm, a, I'm, the rough draft's done, and then I look around. You know, there's three other UFO and alien movies in in this area alone. I'm like, oh. has anybody touched Kexburg yet? Yeah, that's, they did. That's almost done. I think it premieres next month. Hmm. There's a film called Kexburg. There, there was one based out of Cleveland called Fight the Sky. Hmm. I didn't see it. I hate the title. Yeah, I don't like that. That's as bad as um, Big Legend. Do you know Big Legend? I've heard of that. It's a horrible title for a good movie. It's a, a Bigfoot movie, but it's actually... Those are also very big right now. Huge. This is a good one. Big Legend on, on Prime. I recommend. I watch all the Sasquatch ones, and I, I can tell within the first five minutes if I'm, I'm going to last. And you know, this one, it held it. An Extraterrestrial is a good movie about... It's another alien movie. came out about three years ago. A good one with kids in the woods. And uh, there's another one I want to tell you about. Um, it'll hit me later. Anyway, go ahead. There's another one in town called Flatwoods, which is about the Flatwoods monster. Okay, I didn't see that one yet. Um, oh, wait. Which was in West Virginia. Yes, I did see that. It, it's a documentary, though, right? No, this one's, oh. I believe, narrative. I'm not, I don't think it's done yet, hmm. though. Um, but anyway, so it's one of those things where it's like, okay, other people are doing this. And I, when I was writing, I was supposed to be like, stay away from Stranger Things. Stay mm, away from yes. Stranger Things. Stay away from E.T. Because I, I actually, a friend of mine who's in the business... I pitched it, mm. and I was like, "Oh yeah, it's got you know da 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 da." And she was like, "Oh, so it's ET." And I and I almost cried. Ouch! I'm like, "It's not ET. It's not the same thing. You don't understand." Um, but I, I hope that when this is done, I, if someone said, "Hey, this reminds me of the remake of Invaders from Mars that Toby Hooper did," I'd yeah. be like, "Thank you." That's that's, that's funny. I've been going pursuing. For. That's a hard movie to find right now. It's out on Blu-ray. Is it? Um, that movie. So. There's there's films that define my childhood that I was mm. obsessed with as a kid, and that was one of them. Um, and I watch it now, and it still has that same sort of like, oh, I know why I love this as a kid, but it's not a good movie. It's really not. It's not. But it was on Fangoria's cover, so I bought the Fangoria issue, and then I went to see the movie. It I was, need to find that Fangoria. It's Oh, I I have it somewhere um, in that, here. That movie has a very special place in my heart. So that's kind of what I'm going for, right? You know, you know you've got um, David Gardner this you know young boy and yeah. it's you know there's aliens in his town and no one believes him and he's got to save his town and his yep. parents and his parents family are, parents are converted yeah. And, yeah um and he gets the military involved and you know james Karen, one of my favorite actors of all time is in it is mad dog wilson yeah 
and it's funny i have a i have a um a first run movie poster that i paid out the nose for for invaders from mars and james karen signed it and he wrote my one of my favorite lines of any movie ever he wrote it on the poster and it says we're not out of options yet boy marines have no qualms about killing martians oh man uh and and unfortunately he died last year i uh. i'm about to meet him and he's not only is he one of my favorite actors he's one of the best human beings i've ever met so that's a bummer man but that movie that and explorers huge influence okay on night sky i mean that's kind of what i was going for and maybe those things have influenced Stranger Things as well. I mean, it seems like Stranger Things has sucked up pretty much everything from the 80s. Yeah. But it doesn't take place in the 80s. I stayed away from nostalgia. Yeah. I stayed away from, from a period piece, one, because of simplicity of shooting it. Oh, hell yeah. Um, yeah. But I didn't want people to be like, you made Stranger Things and that, you know. Blah, blah. But a, a good friend of mine um, read it, and he's like, I've never seen Stranger Things, mm. but this seems like Stranger Things. And I, I kind of hung my head, and he goes, no, 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 no. He's like, that's a good, it's good. I was like, well, what do you mean? He goes, man, this is the perfect time to make this movie. Mm. He was like, embrace it. You know, people are going to love this. People are eating Stranger Things up. He's like, they're going to love this. Yeah, especially while they wait for season three, which could take five years. Four. <laughs> season three just came out. Oh, four. Yeah, did I see uh, three? I saw three. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Interesting. And you brought up Invaders from Mars. I think you bought that film when I saw you last time. We stopped at Urban Tap. Where were we? No. Oh, I was at the exchange. At Fatheads. Didn't you go? You came back and you're like, I just bought this. No, I had Last Starfighter. Oh, that's what it was. I got it for five <laughs> bucks on Blu-ray. Even better. <laughs> um, well, it's funny because when I was writing Night Sky, so I don't I don't know how you do it, um, but when I go to write a new project. I don't one know of the, how I do it either. One of the first things I do when I have a new writing project is I make the soundtrack for it. Hmm. I make a playlist. Um, and I feel like that's that's probably why when I write something, the mood comes across before anything else. That's before awesome. The rewrites. But I think it all comes from the playlist. So if I if, say this movie's done, what does the soundtrack sound like? Or what would the soundtrack of the movie be on screen? So with Night Sky, it was a huge list. And it was, um, you know, it was like Jerry Goldsmith's score from Explorers. And it was um, Christopher Young's orchestral stuff from Invaders from Mars. Uh, and it was all of that kind of music layered in. And um, I don't know if you've ever heard uh, the soundtrack for Beyond the Black Rainbow. It's one of my favorite soundtracks of all time. My God. The artist is called Sonoya Caves. Okay. It's like prog rock. It's phenomenal. Um, sounds like Goblin. Oh, okay. familiar, you know, yeah. that kind Hell, of stuff. Of course, yes. yes, um, yes. Maybe when we take a break, I'll play some for you. But yeah. so I have I have this huge list of like 50 songs that I would just play on repeat. So I, you get lost and you start writing, but I that drives me. It's like I can so hear the movie. you get your imagery from the music. The music helps you get the Im- the imagery you're looking for to write down. It's Well, the imagery is in my, my head. Like there's, yeah. when, when an idea starts to form, they're like, oh man, that'd be a really good shot. Mm. I don't know how we get there story wise but you know it's if you go to the social media for night sky there's a lot of concept art um that i had an artist out of phoenix do and those were the shots that i saw first in my head when Mm. i had him draw them so you've got some shots you've got some images you've got some ideas i'm taking notes but all the while i'm listening to this playlist that helps sort of form it that's that well that's you if you're asking formula that's what i do music while I'm driving, usually loud abrasive music, I come up with visuals and then I go home and write it down. Yeah, it's it's usually it starts with music for me. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break here with Carrie Hill, and uh, when we get back, we're gonna find out 
what he is looking forward to the least with this production of Night <laughs> Sky. Because I can't wait to hear that. Meanwhile, let's hear some Frail because I just saw my friends Gwen and Sean and Frail this past weekend at Descendants of Crom 3 and they were phenomenal. So let's get into some Frail and we'll be right back with Carrie Hill. Hi, this is Martin Atkins from Public Image Limited, Killing Joke, Ministry, Nine Inch Nails, Pig Face and the Damage Manual and Murder Inc. and Brian Brain. And you're listening to Kettle Whistle Radio. i 
Welcome back. Kettle Whistle Radio with Carrie Hill, director, talking Night Sky, his next endeavor. And you just heard Frail, who we love here, Gwen and Sean. Great show. Thank you so much. And uh, I turned uh, Carrie on to them a little bit. He might be interested in filming a video down the road. Uh, We're good, not sure yet. Good sound. <laughs> I, I, I told you during the break that it, it, um, it reminded me of Curve. Yeah. Which is a band nobody really talks about, and it's, I mean, it's probably been, what, 15 years? They do. It depends on the circles. If you, you get into, like, the, um, and I, again, industrial is such a, a weird term. If you get into the industrial crowd, everybody knows Curve and remembers them because of the bands that they played with. Mm-hmm. And they weren't around for a very long time. No. But I have uh, at least three CDs, and they're phenomenal. I, I think they're great. Female vocals, you know, just. Not to take anything away from, from this band. I, I think they, I, have, I like yeah. I like their sound very much. I, yeah. They got definitely got something good going. I just, it hit me, and maybe it was sort of the, the heavy sound with the female vocals, and it was just sort of like, oh, my God, it reminds me of yeah. But they set that uh, alluvial plane of just m- that, that bass that just hits you. And it comes right through you if you see them live. They're amazing. Um, no, but, if, if they're listening, great sound, guys. I mean, it's I enjoyed it. Yeah, Pharrell's good. <laughs> great stuff, great stuff. And great show, guys. I'm sitting here looking at your shirt and your CDs. Great and, shirt, too. Yeah, I right? saw that when I came in. I was like, man, that's a great shirt. <laughs> Carrie loves the Frail shirt. Yes, guys, thank you so much. Now, back to you, sir. Um, you are. What do you dread on this production for this Night Sky film? What do I dread? What are you not looking forward to? It's got to be something like because you you've been there. It's not your first rodeo. Yeah, but so far it's just been very different. So, I mean, with Screen Park, it was um, I had written the first script in three days, and it was <laughs> it, it was it was like literally like just an explosion of creativity. I get it. I, I was I had a corporate job, and it was very demanding. It was seventy eighty hours a week, and I was it was all pent up. So I quit, and I sat down to write the script, and I had all the note cards laid out and everything, and bam, in three days I had the whole thing done. I was like, wow. Isn't that amazing how that happens sometimes? Um, it, and it was, you know, it, it came out very quickly, and I was I, there were some rewrites, but nothing really major, and I was like, oh, okay, I can do this, and you get kind of lost in it. I, I think with Screen Park, the advantage was is I had no idea what I was doing, and, <laughs> and, and I, I actually wish I could go through that again. When you literally have no idea what you're doing, and you've never made a movie before, and you're just sort of ignorant you don't know what to expect. It's just like, I'm going to get this done. No matter what this takes, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get it done. I don't know what's around the corner, but we're going to keep pushing. When you go to do it again, it's like, okay, I got to be careful because I'm going to run into this and I don't want to do this because this will happen. And you know, this shoot could go really long and I'm going to make sure I give myself enough days. Um, So you almost get like analysis paralysis where you're spending too much time planning. And finally got to the point where it's like, okay, we need to just, get going it's never going to be perfect it's never going to be like everything nothing's going to be you never get to the point where everything's lined up and everything's going to be perfectly there and ready to go and boom 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 you're done let's just do it (laughs) um but i've I've learned to love the process uh every prop that gets delivered or every prop that gets made i mean we just finished a um a fake book it's a prop written by uh, the the author of this fake book in the movie is a main character. And, oh, okay. And the prop came out so cool, and you're and you're looking at it like, man, this gets me excited. Uh, <laughs> it's probably cooler than most real books. <laughs> it's it, just the way that it came out, and the way it looks, and everything, and and what I did to make it look aged and stuff. It's like, man, this this is gonna work really well. But it, as far as stuff that I'm not looking forward to or dreading, um, logistics is always a, a problem. So I produce my own stuff. And it's, I'd love to have a producer. I'd love to have someone I could trust where it's like someone helping me get the location, someone helping me coordinate. 
And I don't have anybody like that. So I'm passionate about it. I want to do it. So I'm the producer. So I'm going to put it together. So it's one of those things where it's like, there's so many ducks in a row you got to have. Mm. You, you know, it's not only do you have to get the all the people in the same spot on the same day, you know, I mean, it's like herding cats. <laughs> um, so that's one thing. But then you got to have all the wardrobe and the props. You gotta have insurance for the location. You have to be out of location by a certain time. So it's just I don't look forward to the logistics. I would much per- permits. Just... Per- well, depending on on what it is, I I've actually uncovered the the whole. I'll just come out and say it: the the utter horribleness um, that the city of Pittsburgh has for permits for shooting in yeah. on city property. It's outrageous. I mean, they charge fees just to apply. I know because I looked into uh, when you were looking for a cemetery. I did look into the Evans City Cemetery, which of course night of the living dead very famous very famous cemetery and uh when i talk to the people that are somewhat coordinators and tried to film things there they don't let people film horror movies there and you said promptly it's not a horror movie it's not i didn't even say it was i just said a film they just probably assumed yeah the notoriety right um no i mean it's it i i don't know if the city thinks well with all these hollywood and netflix things coming in we can gouge Ooh, that's a good point. I didn't but, think of that. Yeah, you know, you create a barrier to entry for local films. Like, I mean, when it costs two hundred dollars to file a permit, just to apply to see if they say yes or no, and then it's eight hundred dollars a day to use a location. And we can make our own cemetery. <laughs> and it, well, I mean, that's what you you start to think, you yeah. know. And it's one of those things where it's like you have to have police on there, and the, the street has to be blocked. You have to pay for that. You have to pay for the policemen's. So, and I get it, but again, barrier to entry for low budget local filmmakers. So you have to get creative, but. I just the logistics is something that's probably the least fun, mm-hmm. um, and just coordinating is so tough. Um, you know, and, and that's why it could be the worst piece of garbage ever made and ever put on someone's DVD player. But man, if you finished a film, my hat is off to you. And it, again, it doesn't matter how bad it is; you did it. You did it. Yeah, you, you did it. And that alone separates you from probably ninety percent of people who call themselves filmmakers mm-hmm. or people who want to make movies. If you did it, I mean, it, it, it's an accomplishment in and of itself. And that's where, you know, and maybe other filmmakers agree with me, but it's when the scene's like, your movie sucks. And like, I, I did it. Did I, it yeah. I, I went the distance. Okay. Yeah, try it. Um, yeah, exactly. Try it. That's, you know, and it's funny because, you know, especially among the horror film people in town, it's like, if they made a film and you made a film, there's like a camaraderie. Even if you don't necessarily like each other's films, like, hey, man. You, you did it it's like yeah you did it too like you've you've gone through battle together and you get it um but yeah i mean just the, just the the logistics and coordination and that's something that next time i'd like to have another producer just to help with that kind of stuff, or a production manager to kind of coordinate when you're a low budget indie filmmaker you wear mm-hmm. a lot of hats and basically you compress the entire crew down to just the the bare bones so if you're the filmmaker who's doing this thing you have to absorb all the production departments Hmm. production manager line producer you have to absorb all those and you're kind of responsible um unless you're paying people and that's a different story If, if you can afford a line producer your life gets better if you can afford an actual producer producer life gets much better but hmm. then you have to afford those things. i've seen indie artists progress to that level it has made things easier for them but i think there's a loss of control there as yeah, well. yeah i mean it's it's one of those things film's collaborative so if you are going to have a producer i mean i think i think a good producer is like okay you're the director what do you want mm-hmm. what do you need and they understand the the difficulties, and so they just get to work and try to get what you need. 
hmm. uh, and everything versus wrestling for control of the film. <laughs> it could also go the other way too. A lot of producers um, will say, "Okay, I, I want to make a film about the life of you know David." And uh, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, it's like, okay, well, I need someone to write the script, then I need someone to direct and someone to... Ca- so sometimes producers will be on the top down where they're like, I want to make this project, but I need the people to go do it versus a, a producer or a line producer where it's like, I'm going to help this director make his film. So not there yet. Again, it's probably more a level of cost hmm. than anything. Um, and it's tricky too because, you know, if you said, hey, Hey Dave, you want to you want to produce my film? Yeah, man, I'll produce your film. And then it's one of those things where it's like, if you're not being paid and you're not really into it, you might help out here or there. But it's not like it's you're not making hand. the phone calls, you're yeah. not scheduling, you're not doing this or that. So it's secondhand. If you but unless well, it, maybe you should pick me to do that because I might be I yeah. I, I, I sabotage myself to go out of my way for other people. <laughs> so I, I'm anyway. That being said, I, I'm really curious about, and I, I need to ask because I wonder, and I see every now and then people have been on the show and their films show up on Netflix or Prime or some, you know, pay per view channel. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you go about distribution for something like this? Uh, I haven't even thought about. You don't it know. At that point. See, so this might be the thing you dread. <laughs> no, not necessarily. I because we did it with Screen Park, but I think one of the things that worked for Screen Park was the fact that we had two names in it with people with following. That's right. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I know in the distribution game, if, if the distributor wants to pick it up and they'll take it to like Walmart, the, you know, Walmart doesn't care what it is, how good it is. They, just, the, the only question is who's in it. And the reason is, is that that allows them to sort of come up with an idea of how many units they might sell. Okay. So, you know, okay. Is, is, Leonardo DiCaprio in your movie, yes. Okay, well, we'll move plenty of units. Yes, we'll pick it up. Um, you know, well, mm-hmm. there's there's this guy from Pittsburgh that lives under a bridge who's in it, and they're like, you know, we might sell 10 <laughs> copies. You know, it's one of those things that's not worth our time. Is that true? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> not this time. Not this time around. But, you know, so distribution's tricky. I, I know that some filmmakers try to go the self-distribution route. I'm kind of against that. It's a ton of work for very little return, and you may mm-hmm. not. There's barriers to entry, and that's just the nature of the beast. There is a business side to this mm-hmm. that that is unreconcilable. You can't get around it. There's a lot of filmmakers that are, you know, oh, I'm, gonna, you know, I'm, I'm going to make this thing and I'm going to put it out, and I'm, I'm not, I'm going to beat the system. You can't. I, if you want to get your film in iTunes or Netflix, there are barriers. They won't deal with film filmmakers. That's directly. what I mean. Like what you have to go through a distributor. So you can't call Netflix and be like, "Hey, will you put my movie on Netflix?" Figured, it's not yeah. going to happen. Right. The a distributor has to go to them and they usually only use this the same distributors. So it's so. tricky. So you have to get into one of those channels. Um so if you wanted to be on those platforms, you don't have a choice. You need a distributor. The other thing too and and I learned this the first time around was, you know, I, the company that put my film out is Wild Eye. And they did a great job. They, you know, they put money into it to get it polished enough to put it out, you know, they didn't have to do that, but they did. They paid for mastering costs. They paid to get it through quality control, which mm. is another requirement for things like iTunes. Wow. So not only does a, a distributor have to go to iTunes, but it has to pass quality control. And they have another third party that acts as quality control. So I, I, Apple will say, okay, there's your film. We know who you are. Then they'll go to quality control and say, is this meet our standards? Wow. Because it has to meet standards to be put on iTunes. <laughs> so they took a lot of that. And then in addition, they 
did all the marketing and the press for it. I mean, we got write-ups and blogs, and it made it to Ain't It Cool News and Fangoria and stuff. It never would have made it to that if it weren't for a distributor. So I'm hmm. um, very grateful for what they did, and I, I just think it's it's necessary. Um, when I made Screen Park, it was kind of – it was more – I'm going to make a movie and I'm going to show that I can make a movie. I didn't even think of distribution. And then the movie was done. It was like, how far can I take this? Hmm. Can we keep going? Um, and I, I found two distributors and I was <laughs> shooed away from one of them by other filmmakers that had used them. They were like, don't come near this distributor. Wow. Um, Cause I, it was one of the things I was like, okay, I have to decide between these two ones in LA and ones in New York. And so I was like, I don't know really anything about them. So I contacted some of the filmmakers that were picked up by the distributor in L.A., and they were like, don't come near it. It's been years, and they've never put the movie out. Wow. Stay away from them. So I was like, oh. But then they own the rights to the distribution? I, I, it depends on whatever Ooh, the... Uh, frightening. Yeah, I mean, it's, if the filmmakers signed over the right, the distribution rights mm-hmm. to it, that company owns them. But they were saying that they didn't do anything with it so mm. they couldn't put the movie out because they didn't own the rights because they leased them to this company they well on a much lesser with. level um with uh, i work through burning bulb publishing uh they own the rights to everything i do for a year sometimes two years and then i can go somewhere else if i yeah. want to and Did, I, I haven't had to because it's been good so they've been good to me yeah usually there's a term you know it's, it's so many years because it's you know a distributor if, if it's not making money the distributor's probably not going to want to hang on to it or there's no purpose mm. um, the one thing I like about Wild Eye is that they are very filmmaker focused like there were certain rights that were left to me so I could take it to festivals and take it on the road and they're like we think that's important okay. for independent filmmakers and we don't have anything to do with that so please by all means and so while Wild Eye put it out on the shelves of Walmart and Best Buy and stuff we were able to take it to festivals um, we <laughs> I my assistant director, uh, Andrew Standerford, and I drove to Jersey and we drove to Dallas, Texas. Oh man, for screenings and it was it was a hoot. Um, we played this goth club <laughs> in in Jersey. It was like a mid, it was like a midnight showing of Screen Park in the basement of this goth club. And not only do I not really fit in in any way, shape, or form, but it was just it was just it was a strange experience. Plus, Jersey's Jersey, Jersey's but, Jersey. Um, yep. But I digress. I mean, but it was it was interesting. But I just I think distribution is definitely critical, uh, especially if you want to get it seen, mm-hmm. let alone have it make any sort of money. Um, but I don't I don't dread it. Okay. No. Cool. All right. So basically, you're just going headfirst into this thing. And- you have to. At some point, you have to become a bowling ball. Because, like I said, it's analysis paralysis. You're just spending like, okay, well, if I get this lined up and this scheduled and everything, yeah. You know, It'll take five years to start shooting. So at some point you're like, I'm just gonna do it. Yeah, I, I've got the right people and I've got the props for this scene. Let's go do it. Let's go get it done and, and get it in the bag. But at the same time, I mean, obviously it's there has to be some finesse or couth to it. Where mm-hmm. you know, like we talked earlier about hair and continuity and things. Like yeah. I'm not gonna shoot this over the course of years. Um, but it, you just have to start <laughs> at some point. You just gotta get going. Yeah, and October 26th, big day, yeah. big day. Um, who do you expect to show up that day? Uh, you, uh, what, how many actors and what location? Small or? scenes. Um, there is a, I found a farm just outside the city here, which is wild because I found it on Airbnb because I was looking for a farm. I needed this big field. And um, I was like, well, I don't really know of any. Like, You know, it's one of those things where if you're a filmmaker and I said, okay, Dave, you get this scene that takes place in a field 
where are you going to shoot it? You'd probably be like, um, and you start asking people, do you have a field? Do you? <laughs> but I mean, it's, you want it to look right. So you get to get very creative. So I found a farm on Airbnb. They do like a bed and breakfast thing where you can go stay on this farm and so work you shoot this farm. and then you can go to sleep. You can if you want, <laughs> but I, I drove out there and it's right outside of, of the city of Pittsburgh. And like you get there and you're like, man, I could be in the middle of nowhere. Like it's so, oh, yeah. so but it's, Pittsburgh's 10 minutes away. I looked at it like, this is perfect. And they're like, yeah, sure. I offered the rate. Hey, you guys charge this a night for for the Airbnb. I'll pay it to use your field for a day. And they're like, sure, not a problem. I'm like, okay. We well, got that was nice. <laughs> yeah. How refreshing. <laughs> um, so the, the first scene of the film opens up in this big field. And there's a farmer whose cattle are missing. Mm. So, you know, the sheriff's taking a statement. There's weird evidence on the ground and stuff. And just the cows are gone. So that's that's a scene that we're going to get done. And so there's only uh, three actors, I think, in this, this big field. But then you have to get, again, logistics. Okay, so I have a field on a farm. I've got some actors. Well, I need craft services, so i got to bring a cooler for snacks and, right. f- and water. And then I've got to have a tent so people can change. And th- so it's, it's one of the, I mean, it's like, I assume this is how the military works when you've got an army. You have to think about, you know, going to the bathroom and and feeding people and where are they going to sleep? And it's just, you know, you constantly have this logistics thing. And when you're out on a farm in a field, there's no amenities. Nothing. So you have to bring everything. So it's... Yeah, you got to hope it's not too hot or too rainy or... You're going to shoot in the rain if it rains? This is my life. I, Drizzle's fine. It'll probably look like an X-Files episode there you go. at that point, which I'm All fine right. with. You know, right. it's, you've got October in, in Pennsylvania, which is already pretty. You get a little bit of drizzle. Yep. It's, it's good mood. You can't beat October here. It is a pretty state when I, it comes to that. I used to live in California, and that was the one thing I missed about back here was yeah. the fact that there's no seasons out there when I lived in the desert uh, in Silicon Valley. But it's I missed October here. One, because utterly gorgeous but two it's so halloweeny exactly you don't get that out there our time of year absolutely halloweeny hey carrie it's wendy wygant your former leading lady in scream park just wanted to drop by to say hello and congratulate you on your new film night sky um i wish you the best of luck with your birthday of shooting this saturday um i had the pleasure of making a film with you and it was one it's not the best experience making a film for me. I mean, you made it happen along with the amazing uh, crew and cast. I learned so much during Screen Park. I learned that being cold doesn't matter when you love what you're doing. I mean, I met two of my best friends. Uh, it reinforced my passion for acting and it reminded me why I love it. So thank you for giving me that amazing experience and a film I am proud to show people. I wish you the best with Night Sky and can't wait to see it when it comes out. Take care and enjoy your interview. Oh, and hi, David. Uh, you rock. Bye. I'm not afraid of the dark, but you should be. There are things that dwell here in the dark. Things best left unseen. With the initial smoke clear from the fall of tomorrow, the blood now flows even thicker. With Dwelling in the Dark. Eleven stories. All bits of the same mysterious puzzle. Fitting together with horrific parallels to its predecessor. Get ready for new 
truly terrifying tales set in the broken world from the fall of tomorrow. Take a closer look at what's now dwelling in the dark. If you dare. Available on Amazon in traditional print and ebook. Get your copy today. Visit www.fairlydarkproductions.com for more info on the author and his work. I should mention, um, speaking of which, I did see Three from Hell. I didn't realize. Yeah. Is it out? There was, yeah, it was out briefly. They did three nights of screening and that was it. And you got like freebies and uh, you got to see Devil's Rejects before. Oh, wow. Or you got a poster. They did three nights and uh, at the very most, maybe six, but I don't think so. Three nights nationwide and that was it. Blu-ray comes out next month. I loved wow. it. Wow, Blu-ray. What? Because I think uh, I think he might have his hands tied with uh, Hollywood, hmm. you know, with the state of affairs and violence and films. and Or he found a new unique way to make money. I don't know. Uh, Rob Zombie we're talking about. Interesting. It was good. It was fun. But I tell everybody, because I have a... Anyway, friends and family, they're like, I hate Rob Zombie's. If you hate Rob Zombie, don't see it. Because it, 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 his hallmark is on every scene. Huh. It's a great movie. It's fun. And honestly, the new people he pulled in, and for good reasons, are fantastic. It's a great story. It ends the trilogy perfectly. I don't want to say too much more than that. I don't I, think there'll be another one. I was surprised there was another one, given how Devil's Rejects ended. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's explained. And okay. yeah, I'm just going to leave it at that. Um Speaking of spoilers, okay, anyway, three from hell, two thumbs up, Dave. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, are there going to be any, hmm, I don't want, if it's a spoiler, don't answer, latex aliens. Latex aliens. Or are we going CGI? Or no, at no, all. No. You don't have to have aliens to make there was a an long, alien film. There was a long-standing discussion in my brain Um on whether to show them or not. I, I think that if... Right? If, I'm, I'm thinking it from the audience's perspective. If you're going to see a low-budget sci-fi film, you want to see the aliens. People will gripe. People will gripe. Um, so I'm on it. It will not be CGI. Mm. Um, actually, this is this is a good place to plug. So there... I've, I've gotten the budget. So there's already been quite a bit spent for the ship and various other custom props and things mm -hmm. like that. But there's, um, there's a second budget for creature effects and things like that, Ooh. that I'm working with, uh, a local effects house in town, Tolan effects. Mm, um, nice. They, they do great work, but they specialize in things like creatures and stuff. Um, but I need to, we're working on the logistics again. Again, there's that word. <laughs> um, but I need to be able to, cover this the cost of it so one of the things i'm looking to do is run a kickstarter or some sort of crowdfunding probably in a month or two where just not a ton of money but just enough to cover the the cost of the creature effects a couple thousand dollars um but i want to get some footage shot first as part of the promotional video for that mm -hmm. um i gotta actually I've, I've got some phenomenal perks ideas um, do you know? Are you familiar with Kickstarter? And yeah, of course. Funny? Okay. Yep. So I've got, I got, I have really fun ideas for perks that would allow people to kind of get involved with the movie or be in the movie from their couch, right? You know, you won't have to show up on set or anything like that, but you can get in the movie. Hmm. Um, oh, that's cool. I'll give you one of them because it's, it's. I, I just think it's a lot of fun. So one of the perks is going to be, so in, in the film, most of the town is just vanishing, right? They're being taken. 
So through the course of the film, we see more and more and more missing posters showing up, telephone poles, windows, shops, school, whatever. So one of the perks for the this Kickstarter is going to be get your name and photo on one of the missing posters. So you'll be able to see yourself and your name somewhere in the movie. That's great. Um, <laughs> and we need lot. We're going to need lots of them because this whole town is is vanishing. So it's just it's fun. Again, you could get, or if it, if you want to do it as a gift for somebody else, you know, you get their name and the credits, and you get their name and their face their face on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it'd be a lot of fun. It'd be really it neat. It sounds to great. See. Um, my co-host Sean is not here today, obviously. But he's still uh, <laughs> he's still uh, uh, coming down off the Descendants of Crom Three festival, so we'll give him a pass. But um, there's a possibility he could be one of the. You said something about um, you need bodies, or there's lots of extras because um, again, there's you know it's about a town, and so there's various scenes where there's people need in the background or okay. in various. I told him and things like that. there's a possibility he could be a body, <laughs> a dead body, <laughs> whatever works. I, again, we don't want to spoil this thing because uh, there's nothing cooler than an alien film. You don't know where they're coming from, where are they coming from? Why where, are they? Here? Why are they here? Where's everybody you know, going? Where are they going? Are they dead? Are they being assimilated? We don't know. And that's the, that's the coolest thing about this, because you, you probably don't reveal anything what till the end or do you get halfway and you're like, oh, this is what's going on. No, it's it, there's there's a bit of mystery to it because again it's mostly from the point of view of of these kids and it's um and the the, the town kook hmm. um, who just happens to know what's going on and there's a reason why but he's you know he didn't live under a bridge though he, no okay um, but it's kind of that perspective where you've got you know you're at school but you see things going on in the town around you right you're not one of the adults where you you're in tune and you know what's going on through either gossip or gossip or the, the town hall meetings or talking to the sheriff or you don't really know what's going on as a kid you just see that there's something's wrong people are missing people aren't in school they're missing something strange is going on and it's and you you kind of investigate it's like okay so what is actually going on around here where's everybody going what's happening um and you're kind of left to your own devices because hmm. the parents are panicking or freaking out or they want to leave town or whatever. So Interesting. And so you're dealing with just a town. This is not going to be a nationwide phenomenon? Nope. nope. Very specifically a town. So much cooler. And there's a reason so much why cooler. it's only a town. Um, that would be a spoiler or why this town specifically would be a spoiler. Okay. Um I can tell you as much as you want to know, but I, I, I know. I we, like going halfway and yeah, then pulling back. We, we so. talked about it. Um, yeah. One of the things that I worked in the movie, which is kind of neat, that a lot of people who read it or or maybe even will see it don't realize is that the town of Centralia is a is a component to the film, and it's a oh. real town yeah. in Pennsylvania. The one on fire? Yes. Yes. Um, it's a well, ghost 12 town. Twelve people live there now? <laughs> I think it's down to single digits. <laughs> yeah, I was digits. I was actually there in January scouting, just looking to see, I was like, do I want to take any pictures or what? Because I worked it into the script, and it's... You can't breathe there. I got out of my car and I was like, "Oh my god!" Like it's. It, it's Why do people horrible. stay there then? I mean, um, that's like hell on earth. <laughs> it kind of is in a way. I mean, there's the ground is smoldering and there's smoke and there's giant signs everywhere that say, you know, 
eminent mm. domain. This this land has been reclaimed by the government. Of, you know, uh, da, 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 you that, I was inspired. That helped me do the first book, The Fall of Tomorrow. Oh yeah, and and use Pennsylvania as one of the well triggers for it because of that town and it exists. It does. <laughs> I, people read the script, and they think I made it up. It's like no, Centralia is real. It's there. Um, people forgot about it because it's gone. Oof. But yeah, that's. Pennsylvania is a swinging place, man. There's we got all kinds of stuff going on. We got some weird here. shit. There's a lot of real estate, and it's a big state. And I've been everywhere, and in a lot state. of it's empty. I mean, it's yeah. it's just forests and and hills oh, that man. go on and on. And you've got Indian lore, and you've got um, actually. Do you know that Pennsylvania has like the highest amount of Bigfoot sightings? Yeah, I do know that more yeah. than California and the I, Pacific I, Northwest. I went to a Bigfoot festival two years ago, and I took it lightly. It was fun. And you could tell the fake from the real people. <laughs> um, but there's some interesting... There are people that I, I was surprised at who believed in Bigfoot. You know, yeah. I, 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 I think there's something to it. I don't know what yet. And the trigger between... Uh, trigger, rather, the um, correlation between Bigfoot and aliens, is that keeps coming up now. Uh, weirdly. Well, I think we talked about this the last time yeah. I was on. So yeah. if, if you've ever read John Keel, Mothman yeah, Prophets back, and everything... Yeah. He his thing was is that this is all tied to the same phenomenon. Um, I think he he called them ultra terrestrials, but it was the same thing. You know, Bigfoot, UFOs, fairies, pixies, all that stuff comes from the same sort of place. Yep. It's just the form that it takes. Um, interestingly enough, he also mentioned so the very first oil well ever dug was in Pittsburgh, hmm. or not Pittsburgh. I'm sorry, Pennsylvania. So oil. The very first oil well was in Pennsylvania. I did not know that. Um, and a- according to Keel, that when they were digging for oil, they were putting the well down, they actually uncovered a very old well that was already there. And they got real freaked out and they buried it. <laughs> you know, they're sitting there drilling for oil and they, they come upon it, but they find the remains of a very old oil well set hmm. up already. And they just they, they panicked and they, they caved it in. Wow. Um, but yeah, no, Pennsylvania was where the oil boom started. Strangely enough, I did not know that. But I, so, all right. So maybe we should tell people real quick here where to find you. Me and, and Scream Park I'm everywhere. I mean, Scream Park. It's available. It just showed up on Amazon Prime. Yeah. Strangely enough. Yeah. Um, so you can watch it for free if you're an Amazon Prime member. It's still available. Actually, if you want it on Blu-ray, you can get it on Amazon from Blu-ray. And I, this is not a sales pitch. I highly recommend if if you want to watch it or you you want to watch it in better quality the blu-ray makes a big difference that's what you said yeah we, sh- I think we I shot have that. it in high def we shot it um and it's the dvd just sort of compresses it but the the, the blu-ray makes a big difference um so it, it is available from amazon the dvd is on there the dvd's i think best buy still carries it it's on itunes there's lots of different ways to see it it's not on netflix um, I actually am very honored. There is a... Uh, you're familiar with the exchange here in town? Of course, yeah. Yeah, it's a used record movie store. Oh, yeah. I actually, not too long ago, saw a copy of Screen Park on the shelf. <laughs> Someone traded it in or sold it. I was so honored because I, I buy mountains of movies from yeah. the exchange. <laughs> right. Um, but it was so, I was so honored to see my movie. That's so cool, there. isn't that? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen some of my books in the used section. <laughs> no, that's a badge of honor, though, man. I guess. I've seen it resale. A few of my books resale for more than I actually charge. Oh, wow. <laughs> I don't know what that's about. So I, I've heard that Neil Gaiman will actually go into bookstores, find his books, and then just secretly autograph them and put them back on the shelf. That's you should, funny. You should do that. Uh, 
well, when the need comes. <laughs> but here, I want I want to throw this by you, yeah. uh, Mr. Director. That picture over there, that 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 right there, that is uh one of the creatures. This? Yeah, that's um coming up in uh that's Nasher, and Bob Hoagland did that drawing. He's the monster from Dwelling in the Dark that will show up in the comic book series Doctor Peeler, Demon Psychiatrist. What do you think of that? It's funny. It reminds me of um, an evil Cheshire cat. No, it, it it's almost like scary stories to tell in the dark. Okay. Type. I think it's the artwork. We can go with that. Um. Or there was another book that I that I read as a hmm. kid that was like scary stories. Yeah, I'm to intrigued. Tell in That's something like, like where that. this comes from. Uh, yeah, he's. You got to see this first issue will come out before the year's over, and it's an ongoing series. I'm gonna have a regular series with this it's, one. He looks frightening and friendly at the same time, the, which is the <laughs> issue. He's your friend as long as you give him things to kill. Oh, so yes, yeah, that works. There's there's also a touch of insanity in his face. Yeah, well, he is from hell. I'm just curious what you thought about that. But uh, yeah, Living Dead Weekend. Yeah, I'll be cool. there. I'll be selling prints of those, and I, I have another one I have to show you. But yeah, that being said, so um, also bands, I have to definitely recognize some bands here. And I, you guys, you, thanks for all the music. We're going to be playing you guys. Um, Inconsolable Wretch, Mutant Press, Bistro Strag, I think that's how you say that, Dakota Johnson, uh, White Thrash, Gabriel and the Apocalypse, Ray Gun Romance. Uh, oh, that's that's our guy that's from, a uh, that's a lot of music at I.O. Some airplay too, but uh, this last one here, Raygun Romance. That's uh, one of the guys, Ty Oliver from uh, Power Man Five Thousand. No way. Uh, we had him on. Yeah, he's great. We, we went to go see them right at the craft house. And it's Rob Zombie's brother, yep, it, Spider One. Yeah, it's, this whole thing is right? full circle. Yeah, yeah, Spider One, and they were amazing. They were amazing, and there's a, a guitarist and in there. They're still that together. They sure are. Last year, saw them last year. They wow. keep putting it out, and one of the guitarists from Pittsburgh was playing. Uh, he, another great guy. Have to have him on. But uh, let's see. Well, I digress. Um, <laughs> so let's see. Horror movies for you lately. Mm. You haven't had time. Nah. Well, so every Hall every October, mm. I'll do thirty one nights. My wife and I'll do thirty one nights of horror movies. I like it. So I've been doing it for years. Um, so there's uh, there's probably a stretch in late summer where I don't touch any horror movies because I'm getting ready. Mm. I'm, I'm going to watch thirty one of them. Right. <laughs> uh, weirdly enough, there's also horror movies that I like to watch in the summer I don't know why well Jaws Blood Beach Piranha yeah, yeah those ones um, I got I, go ahead I got one for you right now. I've, I've I've come over the years to, to uh, I really like watching Dawn of the Dead in the middle of the summer and I have no idea why um, the original Halloween too oh man I am very aware of these films <laughs> well of course Creature from the Black Lagoon goes without saying but the other one Little-known Stephen King favorite. John Frankenheimer's Prophecy. That's not Stephen King. Yeah, Prophecy about the giant mutant bear. <laughs> um, yes. Actually, it's funny. And Richard Dysart's in it. I was yeah. And Armand DeSanti's in it. Yeah. And Talia Shire. Wow. Yep, yep. I was just looking at this. Uh, I think it's on Amazon Prime. It is. That's why. Yeah. There's actually a, a movie I'm trying to track down right now called The Guardian. Wow, I remember that and for some it's, reason. And it's... Uh, the Guardian... It's, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. It's uh, mm. the the guy that did The Exorcist, yeah. William Friedkin. Yeah, she was a, a satanic. It's a nurse who's yeah. sacrificing babies to this enchanted tree. Yes. 
That was like nineteen nineties. Yeah. Oh, I remember that. Um, I haven't seen it. I'm trying to track it down. It's kind of difficult to locate. Yeah, don't get your hopes up way too high. Oh, um, boy. But it's good. Um, you, it, it's dark. It's creepy. Um, it, it goes along the lines of oh, there's another film just like it actually. Uh, hmm, I can't think of it now. <laughs> you will. Uh, I know, right? In the middle of the night. Uh, wait, no, no, no. The, the girl that she's a babysitter and she uh, totally uh, max on the father. Oh, God, I can't think of it. It's it's the same movie except the guardian is you know she's got some satanic things going on. I'm trying to think of the name of that movie. Oh well, the daughter Max on the father. No, the ba- I'm sorry, the babysitter, the babysitter, oh. Max on the dad, and trying to get in and drives the woman crazy. Uh, hand that rocks the cradle. Oh 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 oh. It's like that. The the um the but atmosphere. An enchanted tree. Yeah the 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 atmosphere is like that. Without it's not just a psycho girl. You got satanic girl or, you know, demented female. So, but it's the same kind of like uh, uh, microcosm, just like four or five people in the film all taking place at the house. But yeah, there's that tree thing. Interesting. I, I came, I forget how I came across it, um, that it existed, but I haven't seen it. But it was one of those things like, okay, that's obscure and older and (laughs) and it's William Friedkin. Yeah. So I was like, well, I'll track that one down. So I haven't found it yet, but I'm sure that there is a way. There's um there's more and more stuff showing up out of the blue, and it's um I'm trying to think of the distribution company that's been putting everything out on Blu-ray. Uh, do you know what? I'm... There's Dread Central, no. Gra- Gravi- Gravitas, Gravitas. Um, um, ooh, no, it's uh, they specialize in those B movies, uncorked horror movies. Um, uncorked is good. Uh, I'm trying to think of it, but they put they've been putting them out on Blu-ray, so they've been resurfacing a oh, lot of this stuff. Do you mean Full Moon, the old yes. ones? Full well, Moon. no, not yeah. Full Moon. Um, I can't think of it. I know, but they, you know, they they actually put out a Blu-ray of Invaders from Mars, yeah. and, and they live, and you know, they they, they live. they've got a bunch of these movies that they've, and there's tons of other ones that have been kind of coming out of the woodwork. Um, mm. so it's nice to see them them brought back in yeah. Blu-ray, but I. I'm trying to think of one You're movies. an '80s film fanatic too. You like the '80s horror. That's what intrigued you, right? '80s. Um, yeah. I, I've pushed back into the '70s. '70s, I, you can't beat. I, there's a Bigfoot movie from the '70s that I watched. Not Boggy long Creek. Ago. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one. That, that's the one. I, th- I think it's Legend of Boggy. Legend Boggy of Boggy Creek. Creek. I think that's yeah. the one. Is that the one with the? It looks like a documentary. It's really grainy. Very grainy. Yeah. No, that was fun. That was on all the time as a kid. That oh, was yeah. on TV. If you could catch it. You wanted to catch it during Monster Week, and it, it, I finally saw it on cut on I think Prime or one of those Tubi or something. Oh wow! I See, think I own that movie. Yeah, it's that's such a good one. There's a return to. Mm, nah, I wouldn't <laughs> go to the return, but uh, yeah, that's a classic. Um, and I wanted to mention this one too. Exists when we were talking about Bigfoot earlier. Exists, Exists is a phenomenal. I think it's made by the Blair Witch guys. And it's yeah. A, oh yeah. Okay. You know I haven't seen it, about? but I know what you're talking about. Oh, yep. you need to see that one. It's oh, yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very surprisingly good. Um, I found footage. You will. Ne- uh, is it? Let me think. Let me think. I don't think it is. I think parts of it are. I don't remember because it, it was that good. But there's a um, a plot that hasn't been they haven't hasn't been realized yet. And these guys nailed it. And it's actually scary. Oh wow. I don't think it is. No, it's not found footage. It's not. Exist is good. That's I fun. Saw that Put that on your list. Okay. Of good Bigfoot movies. Yes. That's I'll a add good it to one. my my October list. I I recently discovered, not discovered, but I finally got around to seeing Hereditary. Yeah. And. 
I thought it was fine. Um, yeah. Shocking. Yeah. Odd. Odd. Um, do we cheer Tony, for the little girl or Tony don't we? Colette is so good. She's she's so weird. <laughs> uh, yeah, the whole thing was just it was kind of odd. It reminded me of other things, but it was I mean it was fine. I had no problems with it. I was like, okay, no, that wasn't bad. Um, and then I I saw Midsommar in the in the theater. Hmm. Did you see Midsommar? I think you told me about it. No. What's that one? It's The Wicker Man, but it takes place in Sweden. No, I didn't. Is that a Prime? It was in the theater. Oh, so a couple it's, months ago. Oh, so it's not out yet. Out. Okay, no, good. Um, I didn't. You didn't like nah. it. Uh, okay. <laughs> now I like both versions of The Wicker Man, but Anthony Hopkins. I mean, come on, that's the one. <laughs> you you like that the. the uh, the Nicolas Cage one. Well, not no, not the bees, not the bees. Because I, you know what it is. I watched it because I don't because know. because it was Nicolas Cage. Eh, no, I don't like him. I, not since High, <laughs> not since uh, Raising Arizona. Do I care about him? He, that's his favorite. That's my my favorite movie and his best movie is Raising Arizona. Oh wow, done. Well, hey, that's just me. Leaving I, Las I know, Vegas. I know I'm wrong. I saw that good, but I'm sorry. Him as High is the best. The one of my favorite guilty pleasure movies is The Rock. I have never saw it. You never saw the Michael Bay with Alcatraz, no. Sean Connery. Wait, was that the where they're they're escapees from prison? They're um no. That's... Ed Harris takes over the didn't, island. Didn't see it. Oh my god, that's a good one. That's one of my favorite guilty pleasures. Oh, okay. See, I I, I, I stay clear of a lot uh, of Sean action Connery films, and but... that's great cast. Okay. It's fun. On my list now, because everybody says I have to watch it, is John Wick. Are those worth it? I'm on a minority. I I think I've almost been stoned by saying Uh, I just don't care. I saw the first one, and I was like, okay. You know, but people are like, oh, it's so awesome. You know, the violence and the action. Like, man, I, you know, I I grew up with John Woo movies from Hong Kong stuff. Yeah. Like, it's not anything to me. Right. I, I love Keanu Reeves. I, I I watch him in almost anything, and he's he's great. But River's like, I, Edge, his best movie. Oh wow, that's Pulled that one out. Chris, Crispin Glover on Crispin speed. Glover, yeah, driving around for, in a Volkswagen Beetle. When he yeah, he, the speed finally takes over. Like when he finally dies, not dies, but loses his speed in the middle of the road at an yes. intersection. He's just sitting there. That was the best. River's Edge and that annoying little brother. Nobody talks about that. Don't movie. you still want to slap that little kid though? He was so annoying. He's like ratting out his older brother all the time. That is a heady slice of 90s. It is. And it's heavy now when you think about how many bodies are showing up left and right and who's to blame. Well, it happens to be these kids. (laughs) That was messed up. And that guy, uh, you know what? I don't want to get spoilers out. Watch The River's Edge. It's good. But as far as John Wick goes, I mean, watch the first one. Again, it it was fine, but like people are losing their minds over these movies. And I just, I. Yeah, eh. I'm not really. But back to the river's edge, the the guy that was the boyfriend that was guilty of the crime, mm. he shows up in uh, he's in all the Rob Zombie films. The the three he was in uh, Devil's Rejects as a reporter. He shows up in Three from Hell. Oh wow! Yeah, he shows up. I was like, I know that guy. That's a guy again. Rob Zombie likes to dig up these people. Yes, I like um, that though. It's fun. Bill Mosley, Sid Haig, rest in peace. Uh, um, some of the nicest people I've ever met. Actually, one one the one. Guy that he likes to use that I I'm sad I don't see as much anymore. Danny Trail. William Fickner, not William Fickner. Um, Forsyth. Thank you. Yeah, William Forsyth. Yeah, he didn't use him in this one. Uh, I met him and he was he was a hoot. I actually had a great time talking to him. But he was, he's yeah, he used to do the horror realms. <clears throat> yeah, he was. 
I think I saw him in Chicago. Cinema Wasteland. I, I yeah. Might have been Cinema Wasteland. Nice guy. I, I had a blast talking to him and we were talking I brought up Out for Justice and he just kinda like winced. Because he hates Seagal. <laughs> he can't stand Seagal. But um <laughs> yeah. I I wish and he was in the rock. Yeah. Speak oh, of the so devil. Yeah, I guess I have to watch this. But I he's one of those guys where it's like, Where is he? Like, why aren't you in more stuff? Like I I like <laughs> He's intense. Forsen. Maybe he's picky. <laughs> He plays a great psychopath, but I could see him doing other stuff. Um, well, I mean, out for justice, he's walking around just killing people for no reason. That's the entire plot of the film. <laughs> yeah, I got to find that one too. That's a good revisit, oh, big time. It hold. I mean, it, that's another slice of '90s. Slice of '90s. Uh, oh yeah, that too. That I, I was showing uh, Mr. Hill here my my only K-pop I'm proud of. How about yeah, that? Yeah, Funko Pop. Funko Krampus. Pop, the Krampus figure. It's a great pop, too. You got to love it, because the back, he's got a little kid in a knapsack. And a really long tongue and horns <laughs> and ice. It's wrong in so many ways. <laughs> I still like my Black Phillip one, too. I mean, this is great. I can't I, believe you have Black Phillip. Black Phillip from The Witch. I'd Marilyn Manson's actually obsessed with Black Phillip. Oh, is that yeah, right? Yeah, he, he loves it. Like, I think he named his dog or cat that <laughs> or something. Like, yeah. I have an insider word on that one I cannot reveal. Oh. Because... You never know what might happen. Yeah, so I'm just saying. Well, you tell him that I'm I'm still interested in in adapting his autobiography. All right, that's right. I that's one of my favorite books. Be great if he listened to this. But you hey, never know. So, anything in closing here that you'd like to throw out there? Oh man, we've covered so much. That's too much. Too much. Never too much. There is too much to cover. Is the problem. Um, but I, well, honestly, uh, you now, what is your projected date for this thing? Two years know. from now? Or yeah, probably till it's watchable. I mean, that's given shooting post-production has got a lot of heavy stuff, uh, that needs to be done on it. Do I still show up at some point? Absolutely. So no, I got, I got you. I got your voice and your face. That's two awesome. Different places. Okay, um, cool, cool. No, you're, you're in like Flint. Uh, and I'm excited for the the score too when we get to that point. Oh, I can't wait! Thing. Yeah, the music it's, is yeah. You gotta um, feature it here, man. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll get you the soundtrack as soon as I can. I yeah. mean, it's, there's talk of orchestra. There's talk of um, synthesizer. I don't. We're not sure yet, but I I trust my composer 100. percent This so. might be the first film, and I've been in I think a half dozen now. I may Look not. I might not die in this one. I might not. <laughs> I'm not gonna say that. But I might not die. Be the first time I don't die violently, too. I'm gonna break the streak. Well, yeah, most of most of them are exploding heads. Yeah, man, I've had my head blown off three times, and there was people don't like you. No, uh, yeah, I think secretly that's true. That that yeah yeah. Do you do you have a, a reel yet of just your head exploding from no, all these movies? That's a great idea. I could probably get it off YouTube, maybe. But there's some films here. Actually, I got some music credits on um um uh my uncle John's a zombie. Because uh, it's John Russo. John, he did it right here. He, uh, I recorded his vocals in this room, and uh, his vocals for yeah, you've seen this before, right? That's that's what he had before, just to get his vocal cords in gear. Oh, vodka. Yeah. Well, that's a little tiny baby bottle of it vodka. It is. It's the uh, he brought the it with him. Bottle. He brought it with him because you know nothing like beer muscles before he starts singing. Hmm. But uh, yeah, he he was phenomenal. He sounded great. He's healthy now, by the way. He uh, had some back issues, but he's back. Well, how old him. is he? He's got to be 70s, well, 80? I don't know if I can reveal that. Okay. But. <laughs> well, I mean, he's yeah. Night of the Living Dead was 68. Yeah. So it's 51 years old. He'll be at Living Dead, Dead weekend this weekend. Yeah, good for him. So, yeah, God bless him. Man. He's still playing. He's singing. He's got an amazing voice. 
Uh, we have, again, again. I, I don't have the score here with me. I'd love to show it to you. But, yeah, the man can sing. And uh, now, music-wise, so what you have, you said you have a composer. Mm-hmm. Are you going to incorporate any other, like, say, rock and roll or some timely music? It's possible, or you know, what's called diegetic music, which is music that's actually in the scene. So if mm. someone's listening to headphones oh, or cool. a, a boombox or something like that, we did that in Screen Park. Diegetic music. It's yeah, yeah. Diegetic. What's so, his name out of the headphones? Yeah, yeah. Um, or in the music in the car, or we had a boombox in Screen Park. So the music that you heard in the movie is diegetic, meaning it's actually in the scene itself versus a score. Uh, or an overlay so there's always a chance of that um i'm not against that I, it's not a period piece so i'm totally cool All right. using that kind of stuff so I, I may come to you absolutely yeah you come to me and i'll set you up with whatever kind of music you're looking for we're gonna go out with a band um and i really enjoyed these guys and girls um this pay um, is it a trio yeah it's a trio backwards pay uh payback backwards payback and yeah, I met these. They were so cool, uh, just nice people. And they kind of, we said like post grunge Melvins meet Sabbath riffs. And what else did you say? You said they sounded like somebody else. Oh, very early Soundgarden. Yeah, yeah. There's some definitely. Yeah, the first two albums maybe. Yeah, I could hear. I could hear that. But yeah, I'm gonna. We'll throw that on. We'll go out with that. And uh, as always, folks, I'm at Fairly Dark Productions. All the shows and the books help the cause. Please. Um, I'm on Twitter at Fairly Dark and Facebook David Fairhead and of course society society-13.com for all your podcasting needs it's on Facebook check out the girls of NC17 and of course Martise over at the pop off for all your oh my god these girls are knocking it out of the freaking planet right now with their downloads and listenership and they basically the girls of NC17 bad dating advice and horror movies Fantastic. I, I like the name and the concept. You got it. Yeah. Queen, I'm sorry. The Queens of NC-17. Queens of NC-17. Queens of NC-17. I always call them girls because they are that. Uh, but the pop-off, Martise hits all topics that are, well, topical. <laughs> you know, uh, she takes a Today Show and turns it upside down. And she's great and controversial. And that's what I love about her. So, yeah. That's is the, us. Is the Today Show turned upside down the Tomorrow Show? Could be. Could be. The Yesterday Show. It could be. <laughs> and you, you are you on Twitter? Or you're on Twitter. I am Lost Ark Raider. Right, right. That's my Twitter handle. I still don't like Twitter, but uh, it's it's an acquired necessary taste. evil, necessary evil. Well, it's just it's different. I Facebook has become boring and political. I don't, I don't care for it anymore. Twitter's nice and succinct, um, and I like it because Instagram requires a photo. If I don't oh. have a photo or something, or just want to throw a blurb out, or I have. I have an amazing impassioned thought or just <laughs> random comment. That's why I like Twitter. It's kind of a dumping ground. It is that for thoughts. For thoughts, exactly. Or so, provoking people, which I've know. actually Twitter's a cool network. I've I've met and connected with a lot of people on Twitter. Um that seem like good people and you know there's actually if you are listening and you're interested in writing like you mm. perfect um hashtag writer or writing community Man, there's there's tons and tons of writers on on Twitter and filmmakers and just talking about the craft and helping each other out. It's it's actually very cool. Cool. 
All right, well, I'll keep that in mind. I do find a lot of good musicians on there. That, yeah, that, that Twitter bad. is good for musicians, and they find me. Lately, we have more music than we can play. And like I said, guys, if you haven't heard your band yet, you will, and I do promise that. I always do. I, I come love through. that people are sending you stuff. I come through with my promises. Yeah, lots of swag. We get a lot of T-shirts and CDs lately. CDs have not gone out yet. Um, these bands like having CDs because that's their merch at the show. So, oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They all do it. Well, they don't all do it. But another great band I got to throw out there that rocked my world this weekend was um, Leather Lung. Not a death metal band. These guys. No. Oh, wow. right. It sounds like they should be. Blew me the frick out of the water. These guys were amazing. Tight. Uh, I can't explain it. They're kind of post-grunge metal madness. But the guy has chords, man. He sound. Uh, I don't want to go Chris Cornell. He uh, he's just got his own style, and uh, yeah, Leather Lung is a band I'm pursuing to get on this show, and they know that now. So, nice. all right, a- anything else, brother? I want to thank you for doing this. Oh, it's it's always a pleasure being here. It's, yeah, it's always a hoot. Absolutely, and it's the Halloween season, and uh, we're Best season. we're all so busy. Hopefully, I'll see you in Evan City. <laughs> Non-stop weekends, non-stop weekends till Christmas, and then Christmas happens. <laughs> oh, don't say that. I then know. it's 2020. Good Lord. I don't want to think about it. All right. Hey, thanks for listening, folks. Kettle Whistle Radio, we appreciate you. We're going to go out with Backwoods play- <laughs> Playback. They're going to love that. We're going to go out with Backwoods Payback. We're going to go with uh, Pirate Smile. There's a video for this, and you found it intriguing. Yes, sir. It's kind of cool. You it's can on check, YouTube. Check them out on YouTube. And, uh, again, this band live... You cannot compare. They were amazing. You can buy the CDs, you can buy the music, but live, they blew me away. I've I, I haven't heard shredding like that in a long time. So, just saying. All right, folks, thanks for listening. Carrie, you want to say good night? Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening.
Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Electrocast. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electric acid. Electric acid. 